This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is I, Dustin Gold. Right here on pain.tv slash gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Ladies and gentlemen, we just came off three parts, three parts on the synthetic wombs, on ectogenesis, the science of growing babies outside of the mother. And I think we did a great job of showing you that this is the true war on women you remember that years ago that was a hot topic way before the cancel culture way before hashtag me too we had the war on women and it was this artificial war concocted by the propagandists the social engineers to complain about women making 77 cents on the dollar as compared to those men but the real war on women ladies and gentlemen is that these mad scientists, these technocratic transhumanists, want to take away the magic of the woman to get pregnant, to carry a baby, to birth that child. And that is what they are after, folks. And so it is more than a war on women, although women should be very upset about this. It is a war on humanity itself, taking men and women out of the birthing process and growing children in a laboratory so what we are going to do next and let me just say i'm in talks with this scientist uh, who i want to review joe biden's executive order with but i also want to put in some additional intelligence some more information here before we get to biden's executive order Because this way we can refer back to the information that we're going to cover here and break down here while we are reviewing Biden's executive order. Uh, I figured I could do it myself, but I don't want to jump the gun. I'd rather wait for the scientist, and I think it's important to get this information out there. So let me just lay out what's going to happen over the next couple of episodes. First, I'm going to show you a video by Hashem Al-Ghali, who created a video on the artificial womb that I came across during my research over the last week. I thought it was done really well. I think it's a fantastic bookend to the artificial womb series. 
because it sums up everything we talked about, but it's kind of mashed all into one really good video. So you can find that on YouTube under Hashem Al Ghali. That's H A S H E M, last name A L dash G H A L I. And it was produced or at least published in January 2020, or you can check it out at pain.tv slash gold. And thank you to everyone who has joined pain.tv slash gold. You get access to the ad-free video version of both the Dustin Gold Standard and the Thomas Payne Podcast. But most importantly, you get access to a community of like-minded people who are sharing ideas on gardening and farming and canning and uh, politics and technology and such. So if your family and your friends despise you, they think you're crazy, at least you have a place where you can go hang out and share information with other people who will appreciate it. And you can learn from other people who have more of an expertise in certain subjects than you may have yourself. And so I actually pull some articles from there that I've covered on this show. I wish I actually had more time to spend over there because that place is just booming with intelligence. It's fantastic. As Mike would say, it's an intelligence network, a private intelligence network. So feel free to join that. And also, thank you to those who left a five-star review and a comment over at Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate that. If I had t-shirts or something, I would give you one. Maybe eventually I will, but right now there are more important things to do than to make and hawk t-shirts to you. Although uh, they are fun and they do help spread the word. So maybe at some point we will do that, but not right now. So what we're going to do is I'm going to show you this video so we can bookend the series on the synthetic wombs. And then we're going to jump over to designer babies, Uh, designer babies, and then CRISPR Cas9, the genetic modification. We're going to talk about a company called Orchid. Um, I think it's Orchid Biosciences. And the reason why we're going to do that is because some of that information will be valuable when we are breaking down Joe Biden's executive order, deemed the transhumanist executive order. And then I'm going to work my way into the military. And we are going to review two doctors, Dr. Charles Morgan, who gave a speech on psychoneurobiology and war, and Dr. James Giordano, who gave a speech called The Brain is the Battlefield of the Future. And we're going to get into a little bit of the military programs that they are both involved with, these two Dr. Frankensteins. And um, one of the reasons why I'm putting that stuff in now is because I decided that we need to get that information out before we get into Operation Paperclip in depth. I might as well introduce you to some of the modern madmen before we go back in history and see where all of this all of this Frankenstein technology grew out of. And so someone, and I cannot remember who, and I apologize because I like to credit people, sent me the Dr. Charles Morgan speech. I shared that with Maria Albanese, the co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, and she sent over the Dr. James Giordano speech, and then her and I did a quick dig on Giordano, and we pulled up some additional information. Now, why is this all important? 
um, with the theme of this show, which is uncovering the history, looking at the current situation, and then being able to project the future of where this technocratic transhumanist prison planet goes so that those of us who choose not to take part in it to opt out of it at least as much as possible have a clear understanding of where we are headed so that we can avoid as many of these technologies uh, as possible. Well, when you look at sort of the tenets of the fourth industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, or the fourth industrial Reich, um, it is the merger of the physical, the biological, and the digital worlds. And so the physical world is out here, the natural world, the grass, the air, the sea, the rivers, the streams, the mountains, you know, the soil. It was all part of the physical world. And so as we've explained here, the technocrats are building a prison planet around that physical world in the form of what would be like on a small scale, on a micro level, the smart cities. But they want to turn the whole world into a smart city, a smart planet where everything is monitored, everything is tracked, everything is rationed, everything is controlled by the social engineering class. And so that's the physical world. And then you have the biological world, which is a little bit about what we're going to get into here. That also has to do with the synthetic wombs, but the genetic modifications, the gene editing, um, uh, the CRISPR-Cas9 technology, that's all the biological world. Implanting nanobots inside of your bloodstream, putting brain chips inside of your head. And then you have the digital world, which we went over in the uh, three or four episodes before we got into synthetic wombs. And that was the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, the Internet of Senses, the smart cities leading into the metaverse, which is the true ultimate goal at least in the next uh, five to ten years of these guys, is to have this digital world, this metaverse that you live inside, your second life. And so what Klaus Schwab, the founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum, sees is this merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds. And so what we've been doing here is trying to introduce you to as many of the technologies, as many of the the investors, the governments, the think tanks, the non-governmental organizations, the international governing bodies, you know, the trade associations involved, the industries involved, the CEOs involved, the bankers, and then eventually one day on a separate separate show somewhere behind a paywall we can talk a little bit about some of the religions and the religious concepts that are behind uh, at least as far as i believe in my opinion are behind some of this as well but we're showing you all of the stuff uh, all of the pieces how they connect and eventually one day maybe i'll do an old school glenn beck and it's a studio I'm trying to set up across the way here with a big chalkboard, a little like a, a professor set where I can stand there like Glenn Beck of the old days with the chalkboard and start to connect all the dots for you. Uh, who's involved and, uh, but, you know, but the thing right now is the chalkboard would be completely full because at the end of the day, they're all involved. Uh, I don't necessarily know 
who the leader is, who the boogeyman is. I mean, Klaus Schwab plays a part. Yuval Noah Harari plays a part. The heads of states play a part. The people that get to play the president or congressmen or senators for a finite amount of time play a part. The CEOs play a part. The investors, the money men, you know, the bag men that carry around the cash like Jeffrey Epstein or Bill Gates or Peter Thiel or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, uh, Sergey Brin, any of these guys, they are the bag men. They carry around the cash. They get to play the front man. They get to be Billy Mays and pitch the product. But wait, there's more synthetic wombs, synthetic wombs. But wait, there's more. There's more, folks. I mean, that's they all play a role. So who's driving it behind the curtain? I mean, we could get into, you know, Illuminati, and black nobility and the club of rome and all of these topics and eventually on this show i might delve into that but there's so many people who have covered that stuff and at the end of the day if we figure out who's behind the curtain i mean what does that do for us can we stop it if we know who's behind the curtain uh can we halt this freight train uh this technocratic freight train i don't know if we can I mean, I don't know if we can. All I know is that I cannot avoid it personally. I cannot raise my uh, coming child in a way that they will be able to interact with that technocratic world when they need to, but be able to step outside of it and live outside of it when they choose to. I can't do any of that unless I understand it. And so I always look at, um, it's like investing in a company. If you're going to buy stock in a company, you want to know who the CEO is. You want to know who's on the board. You want to know what kind of government contracts they have. You want to understand what their strategy is, uh, what their product line is, what the future of the company looks like. And so that's kind of how I'm tackling this subject also from an investigative standpoint if i was trying to solve a crime and so at least right now my mindset is that i need to understand where it came from i I don't necessarily need to know who's behind it i'd love to talk to you guys if you ever want to come on as guests we can do sort of a separate show maybe a live stream type show where we talk about this kind of stuff and just Uh, theorize about it or whatever but i need to understand where it came from uh, because that'll tell me sort of where it's going i need to understand how far they've gotten in their plans what technologies they have now the investors behind them the governments that are driving it and then i need to understand where it's going and i can only predict the future based on having a clear understanding of the history and of where we are currently and that's what we've been doing here i think we're able to sort of put this big picture together and understand that there is a matrix that they are building And their goal is to eventually plug us into some sort of a metaverse as they control the natural world uh, because we understand all the components. So we've pretty much gone through a lot of the physical components. We've gone into the digital components, and now we're going to enter into the biological components. And so we have to get into the designer babies. We have to understand uh, genetic modification. 
And then that will allow us to avoid certain technologies when we have to interact with, say, a hospital. I'm learning a lot about this with the midwifery uh, service that we're using and the doula we hired to manage my wife's birth. So I've been learning a lot from them, a lot of stuff I can't learn from articles because they're giving me inside knowledge when they're dealing with hospitals and doctors and sort of the, the modern traditional medicine, right? Because the real traditional medicine, the midwives, uh, homeopathy and stuff, that's not traditional anymore that's just kookery that's quackery and so i'm learning a lot about this so we have to get into this it's not my area of expertise i wish i had a scientist co-host that can help me with this stuff but i'm going to work through it and introduce you to it and again like anything else we touch on here you can expand your knowledge by going to some of these sources and trying to learn more about these topics yourself until i'm able to get some scientists on this show but again i don't want to delve too deep into any one topic because I feel like if I get stuck in a rabbit hole, I'm not going to move on and try to understand all the components that are out there because in the short term at least, when I get through the first 50 to 100 episodes, I do want to be able to diagram out what I think the future looks like in 10 or 15 years because people ask me that all the time. And I believe I'll be able to take a very educated guess Um at what it looks like once I can work through the rest of the programs and technologies that are out there and they're developing. But do I think we can stop it? I would say probably not, because at the end of the day, everyone is on board with this, whether you realize it or not. As Musk has said to us, as he spit in our face, we are just nodes in the system. And every interaction we have with technology, we are helping them build this prison planet ladies and gentlemen i will be right back i need to exit from the prison planet for a moment and step one foot out of this technocratic matrix ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. And this is the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. Right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's not waste any more time with my bumbling and babbling over here. I want to get to this video again, folks. This is by Hashem Al Ghali, H A S H E M, and that's A L G H A L I, published in January 2020 on YouTube. Again, I found it to be very good. Uh, he did a fantastic job, and so. I'm going to play it. I don't mind giving him credit. There's some great graphics in here, and it's a fantastic bookend to the synthetic wombs as we have to move forward into designer babies and into genetic modification. So let's play this video for you folks. And by the way, the, the, the graphics in this are really good. He did a great job of producing this. Right now, you're looking at like a, a stadium-sized field, and there's all these uh, artificial wombs in there. It's almost like a, 
a Star Wars version of the Matrix field with all of the uterus bags hanging from those mechanical roots. Well, these are machines that are almost, it uh, looks like a hospital machine, about three feet tall, an iPad on the front, and then a bubble on the top of it that is the artificial womb with the baby inside of it. And you'll see in a moment as it swoops over, there's like, you know, 100,000 of these things in something like the size of a stadium. This is the artificial womb facility, a place where humans could be grown entirely from scratch. The devices you see here are called growth pods. Okay, and it, it's very Matrix-like, but everything is more white and clean uh, versus dark. So this is very much like a like a Star Wars type of thing or some kind of a, a sci-fi movie that you've seen where there's like a sterile laboratory. That's what this looks like. But the graphics are phenomenal. Each growth pod is designed to replicate the same conditions that exist inside the mother's uterus. Growth pods are designed to host human fetuses until they are fully developed. These artificial wombs are designed to help premature babies to continue developing after their birth. Okay, again, now let me just pause there for a second because I don't know this guy's politics. I didn't go poke around into his background. I just like this one video. Uh, I don't know where he stands on the technology itself. He does a pretty good job, uh, pretty objective in his uh, reporting on this sort of like a little mini documentary series i believe he's doing he also has another one on designer babies which i'm not going to show on this uh, episode but you know as he said they're designed to grow premature babies in there and as you'll see uh, i'll break it down for you but i just don't buy it folks and when you see the numbers i'll explain why but i don't buy it i just I got over this many years ago that Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and Jeff Bezos and Sergey Brin and Ray Kurzweil and Richard Branson and Deepak Chopra and the rest of these guys, they don't love me. And they sure as hell don't love you and they sure as hell don't love our children. They don't love us, okay? These are the same guys who talk about overpopulation. They look up to people like Yuval Noah Harari, who calls us basically useless, useless eaters and stuff, hackable animals. And so they don't love us. And so they damn well don't love the vast minority of children born every year prematurely. Okay. So when they talk about that they're designed to bring to full term a premature baby uh yeah again that is the adoption campaign that is where they tug at your heartstrings and play on our human emotions to get us on board with this and so that when you're sitting at the dinner table you can't argue against it because someone's going to say you have no heart you don't care about premature babies and whether or not they live or die and as i've said on the show it's a touchy subject i do not judge you in any way whatsoever if you've utilized you know, technology similar to this, whatever's currently available, because you had a child who was born prematurely and you needed to make a choice uh, to save it. I mean, you know, this is part of living one foot in the matrix. And when the technology's there, uh, most people probably are going to choose to use it. I'm just saying that don't buy into the fact that these are philanthropic humanitarians that are spending billions upon billions, if not trillions of dollars, 
to develop a synthetic womb that will eventually be able to uh, handle the birth from fertilization all the way to the point where they open the tank and the steam comes out and baby Frankenstein walks out of the artificial womb. I just don't buy into it. You have to put your mind into the mindset of a psychopath. You have to walk in the shoes of a narcissistic uh, sociopath uh, to understand what these guys are doing. And just don't ever fall into the trap that they develop things like the Fitbit because they love you and they want you to measure your heart rate while you're jogging so that you can get a better exercise. No, they figure out what the problems are or they create the problem and then they provoke a reaction and then they offer the solution. And that's how they get people to adopt the technology that's actually designed and going to be used for more nefarious purposes, which is the engineering of humanity out of existence, if not the ones they keep alive, keeping those humans enslaved inside of their prison planet. Let's continue. But emerging scientific research is making it possible to use them to create designer humans entirely from scratch. Okay, so now he mentions that these bubbles, these synthetic wombs, are designed for uh, premature babies, but in the end, this technology could be used to create designer humans entirely from scratch. So that's basically building a perfect superhuman inside of a laboratory tank and this series is called the grid with hashem al ghali okay and this was episode one the artificial womb every human fetus requires around 37 weeks inside the mother's uterus to fully develop okay and so we learn this through our birth classes and through our midwifery and our doula so once it the baby hits 37 weeks inside the mother's tummy if it's born then it's considered to be full term and then comes birth but not every human has this biological luxury in fact every year around 15 million fetuses are born too early Okay, and so I looked up these statistics, and they seem to be accurate as far as, as far as comparing them to, you know, medical journals and such. So you have to take them as truth. At least that's the truth they want you to believe. So say 15 million children a year are born prematurely, all right? That's the number they're giving you. And approximately 1 million of them die due to birth complications. Okay, so 1 million of the 15 million born prematurely die of complications now i'm not i don't want to sound heartless folks i think if you listen to the show you know i'm not i i worship the magic uh, that is uh, birth but you have to ask yourself do peter thiel elon musk bill gates and these guys behind this stuff are they building this technology to bring to fruition the 1 million premature babies per year that would actually die? Are they investing all of these resources into this technology, into this science, into ectogenesis to serve the parents or the lives of those 1 million babies when most of them support and promote abortion, uh, birth control, uh, sterilization, 
um, you know, overpopulation narratives uh, in which they wanted to get rid of that baby a few months before. Now they're claiming they want to rescue it. Or are they looking for a problem like, let's say, one million babies born prematurely, then amplifying the problem so they can provoke the reaction of good decent people to say oh my god we got to save those one million babies and then they say well the solution is an artificial womb to which point you saw yesterday then they take it another step as they say well why even have the baby grow inside your belly we can do it safer and more efficiently inside of a laboratory full of artificial womb robot nannies all right are you understanding this I think you grasp this because I think you do understand that these people do not love us, nor do they love the one million babies that are born prematurely that die. I just don't think Bill Gates thinks about this stuff at night. Now, I also showed you yesterday and explained to you that the numbers of premature babies are going up in women who supposedly had the COVID, right? And so... I also explained to you from our doula that she's seeing a rise in women's water breaking before they actually go into labor. So did maybe, maybe I'm saying, maybe, I'm not even saying it's my opinion, maybe, possibly, the possibility of them creating more problems, more premature births to increase those numbers. Therefore, it's more of a chance that you or me uh, may know someone or we are someone who is experiencing uh, premature birth issues or we know someone who's experiencing premature issues, just like you know people that have had COVID or what we're to believe is COVID, then that way there are now more people invested in the emotions connected to this and so that way there's more people who will get on board with allowing the frankenstein doctors to build the synthetic wombs because now you say well wait a second my cousin's uncle's uh stepsister had a premature baby that almost died so now i support synthetic wombs see how that works Okay, it's very simple to do this when you're at the high levels, when you have power, you have influence, you have control of media, you have control of money, food coupons to bribe scientists and engineers to get on board with this technology. Very easy to do, folks. It's very easy to do. Almost as easy it is for me to take a short commercial break. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard. We'll finish up this video and keep plowing along. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Pain.TV slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. 
We are watching this video from Hashem Al-Ghali. Available on YouTube or over at pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right back into this video. Right now, we are talking about uh, 15 million uh, babies a year are born prematurely, and 1 million of those uh, don't make it. And so... This gentleman is now uh, explaining these statistics. Let's get back into this video and I will continue to break it down. The minimum number of weeks in which a developing fetus must stay in the womb is 24 weeks. If the fetus is born before that, the survival rate will go down. Okay, so I know he sounds a little bit like a foreign version of David Copperfield or something, standing up on the stage and explaining the magic trick he's about to do. If the number drops before 24 weeks, then I will disappear. No, so he's saying that um, the baby has to stay inside the mom for up to 24 weeks, then it has a higher chance of surviving outside of the womb. But if it's below the 24 weeks, its chances of survival drop significantly. That is true. Even if the fetus survives, it will likely to experience lung issues and long-term neurological damage. Although baby incubators exist and they increase the chances of survival, they have their own limitation. If the fetus is born before 22 weeks, incubators are not likely to work okay so now what they've done is they're taking this small percentage of babies again if this has happened to you i i pray for you and i i'm not looking to offend you but what they're saying is that if the babies are born before 22 weeks even a modern incubator generally is not going to work so you're dealing with a very small percentage of babies just again keep in mind these guys aren't building the technology for the master purpose of saving those babies they're doing it and those babies are actually the test cases the guinea pigs just like with the Neuralink brain chip they're not actually building that to cure paralysis excuse me but the people with paralysis are the guinea pigs for the testing on the technology that's eventually going to be used to augment human brains and in this case um, they are using the um, premature babies as test cases as guinea pigs to test the technology that eventually is going to be used to breed and grow children in laboratories all right let's continue the artificial womb is an advanced version of baby incubators and it promises to make the problem of premature births obsolete okay so that is their pitch all right their pitch is let us build this don't worry we're not going to do anything crazy with it we just want to make the problem of the one million premature uh, baby deaths a year obsolete we want to get rid of that that's their pitch so if we are the collective investors or we are the customers of this possible technology that's the pitch to us don't worry it's not creepy it's not matrix like don't think about the fact that we can breed babies in a laboratory without the need for mom and dad this is to solve 
the situation of one million babies dying a year from premature birth. But how does it work? And by the way, folks, fantastic graphics on this. You should definitely check it out either at pain.tv slash gold or over at this gentleman's YouTube channel. In terms of design, the artificial womb consists of the growth chamber, which hosts the fetus. It rub- Okay, so the growth chamber is basically like a ball that the baby sits inside of. In this case, the same environment provided by the mother's uterus. It is the incubation chamber that provides the optimal temperature and humidity for the growth of the fetus. There is another container which provides the fetus with the constant stream of blood that is rich of oxygen until the moment of birth. Okay, so that's basically like the uh, synthetic umbilical cord. The artificial womb is filled with the amniotic fluid which is the liquid that surrounds the fetus inside the mother's uterus. This liquid is rich of the essential nutrients that are needed to sustain the unborn fetus inside the womb. The growth chamber also features advanced sensors coupled with artificial intelligence. These sensors monitor the fetus's vital signs during the development process, which include breathing and heartbeat. Okay, so basically you're seeing the baby, this is sort of in a sketch drawing form, very nice by the way, and so the baby is inside of this uh, chamber, inside of this plastic um, uterus, and in this drawing it has some cables hooked up to it, Uh, the sensors as he says are monitored by artificial intelligence, I read a little bit about this, Uh, yes, the information he pulls is accurate as far as... uh, from the uh, sort of white papers on this coming technology and so the baby's inside the uterus surrounded by the uh, amniotic fluid it's got this synthetic umbilical cord and then there's different uh, sensors hooked up to the baby it's it's very matrix like very matrix like with the hoses for instance and so now the baby is inside of this synthetic womb The artificial womb also features a screen which displays real-time data on the development progress of the fetus. Inside this growth pod, the fetus is kept for nine months until a full course of development is reached. Okay, so then on the front of it, as I mentioned earlier, it's basically like an iPad, and it has all of the uh, sort of analytics they're collecting, all the data they're collecting uh, on the baby so that they can monitor its growth inside of the artificial womb. And now, and now basically looks like uh, it's from a perspective of a drone they're showing flying down a hallway with the robot nannies, the artificial wombs on the sides of this hallway. It looks very much like we're doing a, uh, a tour through Starship Enterprise or something like that. The concept of growing babies inside an artificial environment is called ectogenesis. Ecto means outside and genesis means formation. Okay, and that's great. And that's why I waited to show this video until the end of the three parts uh, that we already discussed because now you know about ectogenesis and that's why I spent the time. Now, as you know, ectogenesis was a term coined by J.B.S. Haldane in 1924, a British scientist, very complicated past. I won't get into him here. But so ectogenesis is growing the baby 
outside of the mother's body. And it isn't really new. The history of the artificial womb dates back to the early 1950s. And so he'll talk about the artificial womb, womb going back to the 1950s, but we know the term ectogenesis goes back to 1924. The first design of the artificial womb was patented by Emanuel Greenberg back in 1955. He developed the concept with the hope of helping premature babies to continue developing after their birth. Back then, baby incubators already existed, so no one really moved forward to building the prototype of the artificial womb. Okay, so that's a little history on the uh, incubator, of which I myself personally have not dug into the history of that or this Dr. Greenberg who developed that. That would be an interesting deep dive, but it, it, right now it's, it's something that I just don't have the time or desire to do, but eventually someone may want to dig into that and feel free to send me information on that on Twitter at Hackable Animal or at Dustin Gold Show or inside of Telegram at Dustin Gold Show. And then the group is, I believe, at the Gold Pillars, or you can do that over at pain.tv slash gold. Send me some information. And um, if you break it down in a clear, concise manner, I will cover it here on the show. In the 1990s, researchers at Tokyo University's medical department tested the artificial womb to see if it actually works. Okay, so this we have not covered. This is new information. And so you're going to see, um, I believe they ran these experiments on goats. And then they'll talk a little bit about the experiment we did cover, which was on the sheep. They removed a goat fetus from its mother by C-section. Then they placed it in a rubber womb filled with artificial amniotic fluid. And the little guy was delivered 17 days later. In 2002, scientists built mini artificial wombs using cells extracted from the uterus itself. These lab-made wombs allowed embryos to attach themselves to their walls, just like the natural process. Even though the embryos began to grow and develop, they were terminated five days later due to ethical concerns. Okay, so they terminated the embryos that started to grow inside of this artificial uterus that they built off of cell tissue they took from a uterus. Now, just ask yourself as we're going through this. I know it sounds all very, you know, science fictionish. And, and that's okay. I mean, it's not. It's real. This is what they're doing. And so, again, you go to the doctor and they just offer you this kind of technology through a quick marketing pitch. And you might say, okay, I'll get on board with this. But just ask yourself, do you believe, and I don't have the answer to this, but do you believe that the hacking and hijacking and pirating of, um, you know, human life and the the process of uh, fertilization and birth and such. I, I mean, do you agree with this? Is there a line somewhere in the sand that should be drawn? At what point do you say no to this? Uh, would you get on board with this? I mean, think about these things. Okay, let's continue. In 2017, Scientists from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia managed to use a primitive design of the artificial womb where they placed a premature lamp fetus. 
After keeping the lamb fetus for four weeks inside the artificial womb, it started growing a wool coat, gained weight, and even opened its eyes. Okay, and we covered that. We showed you that, uh, I think it was like a seven-minute video on that experiment. Now, in the end, they actually killed them uh, once they survived so that they could study them. Now, ask yourself, is that going to happen with these babies? Are they going to kill these human babies? Remember, we looked at the Israeli doctor who said uh, he doesn't have to worry about any ethical limitations when he's playing with uh, tissues or collections of tissues inside of his laboratory well if they grow babies inside of a laboratory without mom or dad do they have any ethical limitations there i mean myself personally you'd have to know these guys on an individual level but many of them i think uh ideologically as atheists probably don't probably don't have any ethical concerns about any of this they would like to see all limitations removed i'm not saying all of them but many of them researchers went on to test their design of the artificial womb with more lamps and their experiments were successful as of today the real artificial womb is no more than just a plastic bag filled with amniotic fluid it doesn't look like much, but it serves its purpose, allowing premature fetuses to continue developing outside the mother's uterus. Even though the primary goal of the artificial womb is to sustain premature babies, it could... Okay, the primary goal is to sustain premature babies. That is not necessarily the primary goal. That is the pitch. That is the pitch to put this out into the lexicon and get people to adopt it to normalize it to humanize it but i would say the primary goal is going to be to grow babies in a lab without mom or dad that are owned by governments and or corporations actually be used to create the perfect human being by engineering a human being from scratch we can redesign ourselves to be more resistant to diseases and to achieve more intelligence and better looks so what he's talking about now is this concept of designer babies, as they call it. And we'll be getting into this momentarily. But this is also what some uh, refer to as eugenics, folks. Eugenics. Engineering the supreme being. And babies who are born in such a way are called designer babies or designer humans. Because they have been customized and designed by another human being before their birth. To create the perfect designer baby from scratch, you don't need something sophisticated actually. All you need is just a skin cell. All right, folks, and then he has a part two to this series called The Grid, which is designer babies, and eventually we'll get back to that. Maybe tomorrow or the episode after that, I will show you it because he does do a very good job of breaking this down, and it helps further explain what we have talked about here in more of uh, an open dialogue here. So, ladies and gentlemen, think about that. Let that set in. When we get back, we're going to delve into designer babies. I'm going to show you one of the companies that is actually working on that technology and one of the investors in that company who you probably already heard of and i will show you quickly some of the connections she has to some of the people that we would not consider 
to be our friends. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. Unraveling the tangled web of Frankenstein doctors and their technocratic technologies. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, the transhumanist slayer, right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. And you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. All right, folks. So what we are going to do here, and uh, I'm going to try not to go too deep into some of this stuff because we can literally just get lost in these rabbit holes. But I want to talk a little bit about designer babies which will lead us into just a quick overview of CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technology. And then I have a geneticist I know who I'd love to get on the show, and I'm trying to work that out. I've known him for a couple of years. He agrees with some of this technology, but he does have a line in the sand, so it would be a very interesting conversation. Of course, he has worked for governments and such, so he has to be careful about what he says But if I can get him on, we can go deep into CRISPR-Cas9 because he knows all about that technology and he can teach us a lot more than what we could get from just analyzing articles and speeches and such. So hopefully that will happen at some point. But right now, I am over at scientificamerican.com and this is an article uh, by Laura Hercher, written on July 12, 2021. So a little more than a year ago. And this article is, A new era of designer babies may be based on overhyped science. Genetic testing with IVF, we'll get into that, intervenous, is being marketed as a means to choose a healthy embryo, despite questions about the soundness of the technology. And You'll see, just stick with me, folks. I've got to get through a couple of paragraphs on this. You're going to learn something if you don't know about this already. It's just going to add to your arsenal of intelligence on these subjects. And so it says right here, for better or worse, genetic testing of embryos offers a potential gateway into a new era of human control over reproduction. Couples at risk of having a child with a severe or life-limiting disease such as cystic fibrosis or Duchenne muscular dystrophy, have used pre-implantation genetic testing. That's a PGT, pre-implantation genetic testing, for decades to select among embryos created through uh, in vitro fertilization. So in vitro fertilization, IVF. For those that do not carry the disease-causing gene. But what new iteration of genetic testing could tempt healthy, fertile couples to reject our traditional time-tested and widely popular process of baby-making in favor of hormone shots, egg extractions, and DNA analysis. Now, there's a couple reasons why we're getting into this, all right? First off, 
you have now the ability to, in a sense, create a designer baby. Again, this technology is in adoption phase. So they're selling it, as you'll see shortly, that if you are predisposed to, say, heart disease in your family history, then you could basically have that genetically modified out of the possible DNA that your child will inherit. Uh, we'll get into the details of this. And so, again, it's, okay, who wouldn't want that? So now at the dinner table, you've got your uh, cousin and her husband sitting there, and they're telling you they're doing this, and you go, I don't know, it sounds weird. Well, you know, Grandpa had heart disease, and I don't want my kid to have heart disease. So now it's playing to emotion and uh you know human emotion tugging at the heartstrings and so it's hard to argue with it so this is at sort of the adoption phase right now again ask yourself if they're developing this type of technology because they want to help you save your baby uh, from future heart disease but see, where I'm going with this is when you combine all of these technologies, CRISPR-Cas9, uh, the ability now to screen for all these diseases and such, and then modify the genes, uh, what happens now in the next phase when they say, well, we can actually build you the perfect baby you could pick from the catalog. Do you want it to have size nine feet? Oh, you like it to have uh, really strong knees? Uh, and such broad shoulders and then they say well now we can take the burden off of you just give us a tissue sample and we will build that baby in a petri dish and then grow it inside a synthetic womb and so as we move through this over the next several episodes you'll start to see a lot of the investors involved in one of these technologies is involved in another technology and you could see the eventual merger of going on an app you know, Amazon.com slash kid, prime children, Amazon prime children. And you'll be able to literally pick and choose and build your child in an augmented reality uh, world. You put on your augmented reality headset and then you'll have the little baby laying in uh, a crib that you have in your room and then you'll see the baby and you can pick and choose the hair and the eyes and everything and then order it. You just send in a tissue sample uh, via nose swab in the back of your head like a COVID test, a COVID home test, mail that in to, uh, I don't know, like a 23andMe, and they'll just grow the baby inside the synthetic womb for you and then have like a, a drone stork, like a stork that looks like a drone will come and drop it off on your front porch in a little cloth sack or something. Now, I mean, this is where we are going with this. Now, that is just a scenario in which I create sort of a vision of the future, but at the same time, I don't actually believe that will happen because I don't believe the goal of any of this is to deliver you a designer baby. I believe they're utilizing us, the real people, tugging at our heartstrings, playing to our emotions to then be able to build this technology, you know, create the problem 
provoke the reaction, offer the solution, build the technology, because they're going to be building an army of lab-grown children for whatever purpose. I don't know yet. Maybe to turn into batteries, maybe to turn into DNA storage hard drives, maybe to turn into super soldiers like Agent Smith in the Matrix, who's going to come hunt down any of us who choose to live outside the system. I mean, who really knows? I just know it's not about delivering you a healthy baby, because... I don't believe these people love us, nor do I believe they have to come up with these type of technologies in order to make a profit. These are the same people that control the spreadsheets on wealth. They can just add zeros to their spreadsheet and they have more money. They don't need to create complicated schemes like this. They are actually bringing forward you know, Nazi Operation Paperclip technologies. I don't believe any of that ever stopped. Uh, maybe the people in charge of it changed, but I don't believe the eugenics programs have ever stopped. Let's continue with this article. A California-based startup called Orchid Biosciences claims it has an answer to that question. The And remember what the question was, but what new iteration of genetic testing could tempt healthy, fertile couples to reject our traditional time-tested and widely popular process of baby-making? We know what that is, folks. This is a G-rated show. We're not going to get into that. In favor of hormone shots, egg extractions, and DNA analysis. So it's asking, you know, what's going to get people to give up the birds and the bees for the lab-grown meat, basically, the 3D-printed child. And so this company, Orchid Biosciences, answers the question. The company, Orchid, offers prospective parents genetic testing prior to conception to calculate risk scores, estimating their own likelihood of confronting common illnesses such as heart disease, diabetes, and schizophrenia, and the likelihood that they will pass such risks along to a future child. Parents-to-be can use IVF, remember that's in vitro fertilization, along with ORCID's upcoming embryo screening package to identify the healthiest of their embryos for a pregnancy. So now they're going to screen you uh, for likelihood of you know heart disease, diabetes, schizophrenia and stuff, and then the likelihood that you're going to pass that on to your unborn child. Okay, so now again, who's actually making the baby? Is it you and your partner, or is it these lab rats uh, owned by people like Peter Thiel and such? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We will get to that, folks. It goes on to say, Orchid aims to use PGT and IVF to expand what is already a thriving marketplace in screening tests for prospective parents. Initially, the only people offered tests to prevent genetic disease in the next generation were those whose ancestry put them at higher risk for a specific condition, such as Tay-Sachs disease in the Ashkenazi Jewish population. The first genetic screen intended for universal use and covering a wide range of diseases was introduced by Council, now part of Marriott Genetics, in 2010. Today, carrier screening is a $1.7 billion industry. These tests search for genetic problems that otherwise come to light only after the birth of an affected child. So you understand, so they're basically doing a pre-screening on your child before It actually is even fertilized to decide what possible diseases that you carry 
that you can pass on to your child. And if you don't know this, folks, you are evil. You need to give it up, folks. You need to get in line for the screening. Goes on to say, but diseases caused by a single gene are rare. Most children are born healthy, and most couples who do carrier screening come away reassured. All right, folks, so absorb that because when we get back into this, I got to walk you through some of the nuts and bolts of this, and then we'll start to look at who is behind this, and then we can get into the CRISPR-Cas9. I can tell you a little bit about what I learned from the geneticist, and then that will move us right through to what the military is doing because at the end of the day, the military can do no wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Stand. And you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, folks out there, we are in the middle of analyzing this Scientific American article about a company called Orchid. Orchid. And so let me continue with this, folks, because we're getting to some really important uh, information here. It says, by contrast, Orchid's risk assessment. Okay, so remember, we ended the last segment saying that most children are born healthy and most couples who do carrier screening come away reassured. Okay, so that was the uh, sort of uh, carrier screening that was going on prior to Orchid. So now it says, in contrast, Orchid's risk assessment includes common diseases, ensuring that a high percentage of prospective parents who do this version of preconception testing will find something to worry about, right? So you're going to Orchid, you're getting the screening done, and the chances now, the percentage has gone up that you will find something that these scientists, these engineers, these doctors can get you to worry about. And so one of the things we've learned from our midwifery group and from our doula and from some of the other people we've talked to in and around this natural birth movement that's growing, actually, which is great, getting back to the real traditional medicine, is that the doctors, uh, when you're being managed by the hospitals and such, they want to continue to do ultrasounds. And they are looking for any number of reasons to push you in the direction of a C-section or push you in the direction of inducing labor early. And I don't know why. Maybe that's so they can get your kid into one of those incubators or one of those beta-tested synthetic wombs or something. But so they're always looking for reasons to make you worry. And that will all play into, as we saw them, uh, you know, Musk and the other crypto pirates talking about, is that they can grow babies safer and more efficiently inside of the synthetic womb than women can inside of their tummy. And that's the push. They're going to start making women feel inferior, that they can't do this, that a husband and wife can't manage having a child, that they're going to need to 
give up their uh, tissue cells and grow them inside of a laboratory. Let's continue. Those who choose to act on their concerns will soon have the option of paying for IVF plus ORCID's embryo testing package. According to its promotional materials, the company will provide a scorecard intended to identify among various embryos the future children least likely to develop heart disease, breast cancer, prostate cancer, type 1 or 2 diabetes, and five other conditions that make up ORCID's current common disease risk portfolio. You see now? So you're giving these guys your DNA swab, and they're going to sit there and figure out which embryo, um, because because you have the option of this IVF, um, this in vitro fertilization, and then the embryo testing package, and then they're going to basically run your embryos against the scorecard and identify which one have the chance of not having all these horrible diseases, right? I'm telling you, eventually it's going to be, okay, now let's pick which one, let's grow it in the lab. Okay, it goes on to say, with a marketing strategy that encourages routine use of IVF for those who can afford it, ORCID breaks new ground in introducing the first, but likely not the last, consumer-driven model of human reproduction right consumer driven model of reproduction and in the united states in the west we live in a soulless materialistic consumer driven culture now okay so now again you go on amazon you order a shirt you've got 162 colors to pick from do you want it to be a regular neck a v-neck buttons no buttons long sleeve short sleeve tucked in tucked out wrinkle free denim you know so now this is how they're going to play to you with your child this consumer driven model no more surprises look my wife and i don't know the gender of our baby we chose not to she's kind of more impatient than me she sort of wanted to know i didn't want to know she went with me i love her for that because i figured there's no more surprises in life and so i don't want to know until the baby comes out she was worried a little bit about decorating the room. And with the baby shower, we got a lot of gifts, and it was no problem. Uh, we like adventures. She's a huge fan of hiking and camping. Uh, my sister and mother's theme was like adventure and hiking. And so everybody ended up getting all these gifts that had adventure and animals and hiking patterns. And so it's gender neutral, man. It doesn't really matter. We didn't have to go pink or blue. And I told her, if you want pink or blue, I hate using Amazon, but we have Amazon within five minutes of the baby being born. I can pop on Amazon while I'm sitting in the birthing tub with you, and I can order those things, and they'll be there the next day. So don't worry about it. But now, this is it. We live in a consumer-driven world where you're going to be able to pick and choose all the features of your child. No more surprises. Everything on demand. Everything instant gratification. Uh, I could wait nine months to know the gender of my child. All right, folks, it goes on to say the ambitions of this new Silicon Valley venture into healthcare are backed by the uh, imprimatur of health tech luminaries. Ready for this, folks? A a Valley venture. So, this is um, ambitions of this new Silicon Valley venture into healthcare 
are backed by who? 23andMe co-founder and Orchid investor Ann, uh, how do you say, Ann uh, Wuchitsky. And so you would say, well, wait a second, who is Ann Wuchitsky? Well, she's co-founder and CEO of 23andMe. And what was 23andMe, folks? I'm over on their website, 23andMe.com. Oh, look, they're running a special exclusive offer. Buy one kit, get 20% off each additional kit. See cart for details. And so what do they do here? They do the $99 Ancestry and Traits service. They do the Health and Ancestry service. They do the 23andMe membership. It's $169 for the kit plus $29 one-year prepaid membership. And what does it say here? Hi, we're 23andMe. We're all about real science, real data, and genetic insights that can help make it easier for you to take action on your health. And so I remember a few years ago when this came out i think you do people were screaming don't send your dna to these people don't send your dna to these people and so you'd say to yourself who is this ann wachitsky well her husband is sergey brin and who is sergey brin sergey brin is an american business magnate computer scientist and internet entrepreneur he co-founded google with larry page Bryn was the president of Google's parent company, Alphabet Inc., until he stepped down in December 2019. So you have this woman, Anne Wachitsky, Wachitsky, who is the founder and CEO of 23andMe. And now you've got 23andMe invested in Orchid. So now, was it really about ancestry? Was it really about your health ancestry or was it really about this the beginning of designer babies a consumer driven baby model it goes on to say orchid's first product on the market is the couple report at a cost of one thousand one hundred dollars phase two scheduled for launch later this year examines embryos conceived by ivf allowing the couple to pick and choose among potential children in a process that orchid ceo nor uh, Sidiqui. Now, ready for this? I'm going to go back to this because it's important about picking and choosing the embryo. But right now, Orchid CEO Nor Sidiqui, speaking in an interview on the podcast Mendelspot in April, referred to as embryo prioritization. Okay, embryo pri- prioritization. So you're going to be able to pick the embryo that you want. But who is Nor Sidiqui? Former Thiel Foundation fellow whose interests lie in the use of technology in medicine. That's the uh, symbol there, folks. Thiel Foundation fellow. And we told you all about the Thiel Foundation. They drag you out of college early. You leave. You quit. However you want to look at it. They give you $100,000 from Peter Thiel. And you sit in an incubator lab, an incubator, like a synthetic womb. It's a synthetic incubator. No, and they put you inside of this incubator and you work on your project. And so this Thiel Foundation fellow, Nor Sidiqui, is now the CEO of Orchid with an investment partner, Ann Wachitsky, who is the CEO of 23andMe and married to Sergey Brin, the founder of Google. Folks, 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 
Do you see how it all connects? It's always the Wizards of Oz behind the curtain. So now you have Peter Thiel's dirty little hands on developing consumer-driven babies. And then you have 23andMe, and you have Google. Oh, yeah, folks. Oh, yeah. See, it's so easy to figure out the true intentions. That's why I told you to hold tight and to not fall into the trap of believing that any of this is about about helping you. I mean, that is not what this is about, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now that you know that, now that you know that Peter Thiel is behind this, you can cancel your appointment with Orchid because the last thing I would do is give Peter Thiel any kind of DNA swaps or access to your embryos, ladies and gentlemen, especially since we know that one of his other Thiel fellow minions, the founder of Ethereum, is behind the normalization the humanization and the adoption campaign to push synthetic wombs into the mainstream lexicon. Ladies and gentlemen, when I get back, we'll continue with this article, and then we'll jump over to CRISPR-Cas9, so you'll have an understanding of that by the time this episode is over. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, now we know that Peter Thiel, 23andMe, you know, connected to Google, all involved in the designer baby industry now. So I'm going to skip forward in the scientificamerican.com article. There's a lot of meat in there, but we just don't have the time to go through everything with a fine-tooth comb. So I think right now you're understanding the gist of this basically you're going to uh use in vitro to get pregnant and then basically they're going to examine the various embryo choices for you and determine which one is going to be the healthiest baby and such so i just want to get down here a little bit into the insurance companies and the uh, ethics they're worried about it says but should insurance companies pay for fertile couples to embryo shop that's a question folks should insurance companies pay for this this issue is complicated, especially in light of the fact that polygenic risk scores can generate predictions for more than just heart disease and cancer. They can be devised for any trait with a heritable component, and existing models offer predictions for educational attainment, uh, uh, neuroticism, and same-sex sexual behavior all with the same caveats and limitations as ORCID's current test for major diseases. To be clear, tests for these behavioral traits are not part of ORCID's current genetic panel. But when talking about tests the company does offer, Sidiqui, that's the teal-backed 
CEO of the company, suggested that the ultimate decision maker should be the parents to be, quote, I think at the end of the day, you have to respect patient autonomy, end quote. She said, oh, yes, they're so concerned about the patients now. Despite Orchid's hard lean into parental free choice, bioethicists such as Gabriel Lazaro Munoz of the Center for Medical Ethics and Health Policy at Baylor College of Medicine worry that Orchid's system of ranking embryos may uh, unduly influence prospective parents and replace a very necessary broader societal debate on what qualifies as a good life. That's the question. It's the question about the line in the sand. Where do we draw the line in the sand? So what these guys are going to do, what what this person is worried about, is that Orchid is basically going to influence you to choose one embryo over the other. And then they're going to decide what qualifies as a good life. As I asked you earlier, Do you believe that the scientists and engineers should define what is a good life? Should they define how a baby grows inside of the womb by putting them in the synthetic womb and then controlling that environment? What if they notice that the baby is going to have some sort of a birthmark? Do they get to remove it in the process? I mean, who decides this, folks? I mean, honestly, this is manipulating, uh, hacking, hijacking, pirating, natural life that's what it is it goes on to say it is problematic for that reason according to lazaro munoz to have these companies quote bias the conversation end quote again that's what we're talking about is they're going to push people in one direction or the other it goes on to say lurking in the background of every discussion on embryo selection and ethics is the specter of eugenics quote I think we have to be very aware of our history, end quote, Lazaro Munoz said, quote, in terms of sterilization and state-mandated programs in the past that were aimed at exterminating individuals with some of these conditions, end quote. And folks, we have a history of sterilization and, um, and, um, state-mandated programs like this. In fact, JD, uh, JBS Haldane actually studied a lot of that. He came down on the side of some of it, against some of it, in favor of some of it. So this is stuff that's been going on uh, for a long time. And now we're back to eugenics, and creating di- designer babies is in fact going to be eugenics. We're engineering humanity. It is the human evolution of humans, and look what humans do with the powers in which they find uh, in their control. It says, clearly, Orchid anticipates pushback. The company's promotional materials include guides to fertility planning and the genetics of irritable bowel disease, but also a set of talking points for concerned relatives described as, quote, how to respond to your family skeptics playing God, designer babies, and genetic enhancement, end quote. But see, this is what has to happen. As I told you, they have to have a large enough number of people doing this so that those people, uh, because they will be, the, the ones in favor of it will be more vocal than those against it. And so the voice of the ones for it will sound louder than the ones against it. And so now when you're at a dinner table, if um, 
you were doing this and then your uncle some old school guy says oh oh, oh, wait a minute you're playing god they're arming you with the material as i'm trying to arm you with the material on the other side to say no you know our baby could end up with irritable bowel syndrome and so we don't want that to happen and this is why we're doing it and then eventually the people who are against it the skeptics will just get shouted down and eventually be called racist for not supporting this that's how it's going to work that's what they're in the process of doing now running the adoption campaign it says quote yes we're going there end quote the guide says ethics bring it on this is not a company in a defensive crouch the quote our principles end quote section of its website positions genetic testing as a human right End quote. From a reproductive freedom perspective, we stand for a couple's right to have access to information that enables them to mitigate disease risk for their future child, end quote, it says. Like other Silicon Valley healthcare technology pioneers, ORCID presents itself less as a product than as a social justice movement with a little commercial venture on the side, like a gift shop. Now, I will say to you, they asked a question about the insurance companies. Now, in your mind, folks, would the insurance companies, if they believe this technology work, not be something that they would actually pay for because in the end, they are going to end up with a child who supposedly won't get any diseases that they will be insuring. Therefore, it will cost them less out of pocket down the line. So an insurance company could be tempted by the financial outcome of that child. And this type of stuff will tie into uh, human capital bonds eventually. Allison McDowell has covered a lot of this. Not sure if you listen to her. I'm going to eventually get into some of that. I'd love to talk to Allison. Many of you want me to get her on the show. So if you want that to happen, reach out to her. Uh, I am not on Rockfin. Uh, I do not, um, you know, sit out here and shill for cryptocurrency. So maybe she would come on the show, but she blocked me a long time ago. I wasn't trying to be a pain in the neck. I was actually trying to ask her some questions, but I don't know. Sometimes she, uh, the old battle axe there gets a little, uh, gets a little upset if you ask questions. Um, when you guys ask me questions, I try to answer them, do I not? All right, this goes on to say, Orchid dismisses suggestions from detractors that its marketing oversells what polygenic risk scores have to offer in the context of screening embryos. Quote, parents are asking for this information and deserve to know it, end quote. Siddiqui, a teal-backed uh, fellow, told uh, Mendelspod, Warning that those who stand in the way are, quote, frankly, being a little bit uh, paternalistic, end quote. See, this is how they're going to end up attacking us. And if prospective parents are not asking Siddiqui suggested, perhaps they should be. When it comes to the next generation, quote, we've been sort of just rolling the dice, end quote, Siddiqui said. While, quote, the ability to actually stack the odds against disease is sort of a new capability that humanity has just gotten online, end quote. You see, you see, you see the attitude of this one, of this Theobach fellow here? where it says, when it comes to the next generation, we've been sort of just rolling the dice. Well, that's what we've done with every generation. Is it not? We've rolled the dice. And so now her job is to go out there. That's why she's the CEO. Uh, The job is to go out there. Hang on one second. Let me just check something for you folks before I say she and her. 
I'm assuming it's a woman, but I could be wrong. Let's see. I want to double check this. I'm looking it up in real time. I don't like to do real time research, okay? But I'm going to look. Okay, yes, it is a woman, all right? So it's a woman they put in charge of this company. Just like Peter Thiel as the other fellow, she's a female, the uh, influencer. It was like this uh, was a TikTok influencer turned, you know, MAGA conservative personality who's out there trying to get a hold of women's menstrual cycle data. Folks, I'd start tweeting at Peter Thiel. He's got one of his Thiel minions out there pushing synthetic wombs. He's got one of his Thiel minions out there uh, pushing this designer baby stuff. He's got another Thiel minion out there trying to get a hold of your menstrual cycle data through their company, 28. This guy is a total pervert. By the way, not that it matters, but he's a homosexual, and all the information I found, he has no children. Marie Albanese thought she saw, she showed me somewhere where it said he does, but I've read that he he doesn't. Um, so this guy is out there, this pervert, trying to get a hold of your menstrual cycle data, trying to talk you into letting him kill some of your embryos and save another embryo, and then having one of his minions out there uh, pushing the synthetic womb. So tweet at Peter Thiel. Let him know who he y- You know who he is now. The same guy who tells you Christianity and transhumanism are the same because both God and him offer you e- eternal life immortality oh yeah yeah give give this guy all of your information folks seriously give peter thiel all of your data all right folks so let me just wrap up this article i'm skipping ahead a little bit it says ultimately if technology allows orchid to offer a product that meaningfully reduces the risk of disease susceptibly in the next generation does that mean that anyone who can't or won't use it deserves they're bad luck, question mark, question mark. That's a question, folks. So if you can't afford it or if you choose not to use it, do you deserve bad luck? Folks, I'll risk natural life, the creator's plan, before I ever go to one of these technocrats. But now what they'll do is they'll tie this into some kind of government grant to make it fully accessible to everyone to the point where then they'll actually mandate it. Oh, yeah, government-mandated eugenics. Oh, yeah. Oh, where have we heard of that before? says right here, if the basic no-frills version of human reproduction comes to be seen as a form of careless parenting, it invites a callous parsing of who does and does not deserve their fate, and by extension, who does and does not deserve resources and support. So you see where this is going? Do you get it? Let me recap, folks. If the basic no-frills version of human reproduction comes to be seen as a form of careless parenting. Oh, yeah, folks. So if you don't submit to the Peter Thiel-backed orchid, to the 23andMe Google-partnered orchid, if you don't do a screening and then in vitro and then let them kill some of your embryos, to save another if you don't eventually take the embryo let them grow it inside of a synthetic womb then that will be considered careless parenting of which at that point they will take your embryo from you which is exactly where this is going 
You can see it. This is exactly where this is going, folks. They will raise it in a lab and they will own it. So instead of sending Child Protective Services out to your house because you chose to homeschool your child, or Child Protective Services because you chose not to vaccinate your child, or Child Protective Services because you chose not to bring your child to a drag, drag queen story hour, or Child Protective Services because you don't feed your child government-backed you know, Franken-wheat cereal, but choose to give them natural foods from local organic farms. Oh, now, if you choose not to do screening, if you choose to take on fate, if you choose to have faith that your child will be healthy, then they will have the right to take your child away before it is even born. Do you see where this is headed, folks? Do you see where it's headed? And then they're going to take your little embryo and stick it in the child's cell, the, the fetus prison, they call the synthetic womb. It's so easy to see where they're going with this, and it's so easy to see that it's all very real, because when you look at the monsters behind it, it is always the same technocratic transhumanist psychopaths. Why would anyone trust Peter Thiel and his partners with the synthetic womb, with the company 28 that wants your menstrual cycle data, or with this company Orchid that wants to plug you up with in vitro and then kill your embryos that don't deserve to live. Come on, folks. Do you trust Peter Thiel? Think about that over the break. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and we are on the march to free humanity of the technocracy and the transhumanist psychopaths. And we are doing that right here on pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry we had to go all the way through that article. And we skipped around, too. We did. But uh, it was very important, I think, to, um, to break that down for you so that we could, in a creative fashion, uncover Peter Thiel, one of our favorite men here, at uh we call him lighten the loafers peter lighten the loafers peter we call him now folks i don't want to make fun of him for that but a man who uh who is homosexual who as far as i can see prove me wrong has no children is so interested in uh, reproduction he's so interested in your wife and your daughter's menstrual cycles and he's so interested in helping you choose the right embryo and interested in putting your children into a synthetic womb your fetus into a synthetic womb and growing children in a laboratory yeah that guy the one partnered with the irs the one partnered with the Department of Defense partnered with the CIA, partnered with the NSA, partnered with the CDC, partnered with Health and Human Services. The guy who says transhumanism and Christianity only have small metaphysical differences. Yeah, that Peter Thiel. So you see, folks, Peter's involved with the physical, the biological, and the digital. He's on 
all three forks of the fourth industrial revolution. He is, folks. All right. Let's look at this, ladies and gentlemen. We are over at theguardian.com, and I've got to bring this in here, folks. I have to do it. This is the article, What is Gene Editing and How Can It Be Used to Rewrite the Code of Life? It says, we now have a precise way to correct, replace, or even delete faulty DNA. Ion Sample explains the science, the risk, and what the future may hold. And this was written in January 2018. And so we're doing this because I want you to have a grasp on the biological side of the fourth industrial revolution. It says right here, so what is gene editing? Scientists liken it to the find and replace feature used to correct misspellings in documents written on a computer. Instead of fixing words, gene editing rewrites DNA, the biological code that makes up the instruction manuals of living organisms. Let's just repeat that because it's important, okay? Instead of fixing words, gene editing rewrites DNA, the biological code that makes up the instruction manuals of living organisms. You see, they're rewriting your DNA. They're rewriting the DNA of your future child. They are rewriting and recoding. They are hacking. They are pirating. They are hijacking humanity. And some would call this, what would the term be for the subjects uh, that are having their DNA manipulated? Rewritten, as the article says. Those would be what we'd call hackable animals, as Yuval Noah Harari has uh, has put out there into the lexicon. You hackable animals, you hackable animals. Mm, yes. It goes on to say, with gene editing, researchers can disable target genes, correct harmful mutations, and change the activity of specific genes in plants and animals, including humans. And as I told you several times, that the ultimate goal of the prison planet side, the physical world, uh, as it combines in with this biological world, is they want to essentially upload a software, a Microsoft operating system, into every living thing, down to the last blade of grass, down to the last little gnat that buzzes around your head. That is what they're already doing, and so now humans are right up there on the operating table, folks. It says, what's the point? Much of the excitement around gene editing is fueled by its potential to treat or prevent human diseases. Again, this is how they play to the emotions. This is how they tug at the heartstrings. This is how they push forward with the adoption campaigns. It's kind of obvious at this point, but I'll just keep bringing that back up, folks, so that you don't forget it. There are thousands of genetic disorders that could be passed on from one generation to the next. Many are serious and debilitating. Now, remember, let's put this in context. This is written in 2018, and there were a lot of articles coming out on CRISPR-Cas9, the gene editing um, technology, around this time. Two years later, you have COVID breakout, and you turn 90% of the planet into germaphobes, and they want nothing more than to be able to engineer their DNA to not be susceptible to uh, the cold. And so what happens, folks? They introduce into the lexicon, they push the adoption campaign of the mRNA technology, you know, 
rewriting our biology. And so now that is out there, it is commonplace. Let's continue. They are not rare. One in 25 children is born with a genetic disease. Oh, one in 25 children. Among the common are cystic fibrosis, sickle cell anemia, and muscular dystrophy. Now, the question is, where did all those come from? Those would be deep dives. you know. But again, I believe that the monsters create the problems, they provoke the reactions, and they offer the solutions. It's just a time-tested model, and it works. Uh, it goes on to say, gene editing holds the promise of treating these disorders by rewriting the corrupt DNA in patient cells. But it can do far more than mend faulty genes. Gene editing has already been used to modify people's immune cells to fight cancer or be resistant to HIV infection. It, we'll get into that one shortly. It could also be used to fix defective genes in human embryos and so prevent babies from inheriting serious diseases. And that's what we just talked about. In part, that's why we covered it first. This is controversial because the genetic changes would affect their sperm or egg cells, meaning the genetic edits and any bad side effects could be passed on to future generations okay so let's say old doctor there the old doctor doing the gene editing is uh throwing back a little of the sauce a little of that fire water when he's back in his lab well if the old doctor there makes a mistake or i don't know maybe if it's more nefarious than that maybe there's some feel fellow back there working on uh mutating your your genes you know, genetically modifying your sperm or your egg, putting some traits in there that maybe we don't want, but somehow they get mixed in. Think of it like this, folks. You go to a restaurant, I don't know, you have celiac disorder. You're allergic to gluten because your parents were terrible and they didn't have that genetically modified out of your system before you were born. They were unfit parents, and you should have been taken away and placed inside of a foster care facility. But no, folks, you go to the restaurant, and you tell them, I don't eat gluten. Please don't cross-contaminate my steak with that pasta. And so they just assume you're on a gluten-free diet, not that you suffer from celiac disorder, and you will have a bad case of diarrhea if you, in fact, ingest one tiny droplet of gluten and so back there where the chef is cooking he slops his pasta down on the table or something or into a bowl or onto a platter and then i don't know he pushes it into another one and he mixes in the spaghetti sauce right and so then he uses that same platter to take your steak off the grill and he tosses it on there and boom, that gluten cross contaminates and guess what? You're in the bathroom for the rest of the dinner while your spouse is sitting there enjoying her pasta. <laughs> uh, yes, you had the steak, she had the pasta, but it got cross contaminated. And that's what could happen here in this lab. You start letting these Dr. Frankensteins play around with your sperm cells or your egg cells and they could end up contaminating those genes with some kind of uh, something you don't want and the next thing you know your kid has a third arm growing out of its head and that is passed on to its future child but I guess they'd be able to take that out they'd be able to edit it just like fixing a word in spell check 
That's what they say, right? It's like copy and paste of DNA. Folks, it goes on to say, what else is it good for? The agricultural industry has leapt on gene editing for a host of reasons. The procedure is faster, cheaper, and more precise than conventional genetic modification. But it also has the benefit of allowing producers to improve crops with adding genes from other organisms, something that has fueled the backlash against genetically modified crops in some regions. Yeah, folks, it's uh, called Frankenstein editing, right? They call it Franken wheat because there's no more real wheat it's all been gene edited it goes on to say with gene editing researchers have made seedless tomatoes yeah that's so that you can't grow tomatoes from the tomatoes they sell you in the store so they take the seeds out they've made gluten-free wheat and mushrooms that don't turn brown when old it's all great isn't it all these non-natural foods that you're eating Other branches of medicine have also seized on its potential. Companies working on next-generation antibiotics have developed otherwise harmless viruses that find and attack specific strains of bacteria that cause dangerous infections. Oh, oh, see, this is two years before uh, COVID land, the high school theater production kicked off. It goes on to say, meanwhile, researchers are using gene editing to make pig organs safe to transplant into humans. Gene editing has transformed fundamental research, too, allowing scientists to understand precisely how specific genes operate. And I had a conversation with an engineer who was talking to me about the pig organs, and he was saying now... They're literally 3D printing these pig organs, and if you end up needing some sort of a transplant, they actually don't even tell you with informed consent that they are putting some kind of a 3D printed pig organ inside of your body, folks. Welcome to Frankenstein's Laboratory. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take a break to the laboratory while you think about the laboratory. When we come back, I'm going to get into CRISPR-Cas9. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. All right, folks. I've been having a horrible problem the last 24 hours with this computer, and I need to get one of these DNA editors in here to fix whatever line of code is broken inside of this thing no it's it's my trusty powerful computer that i do all of my editing on my audio and video editing i run this software on and all of a sudden yesterday i was uh recording that show and some reason the video file came out corrupted and it took me like three hours to edit the audio to save it and pull it out for some reason i still can't render the video of the show to put up at pain.tv slash gold and then just now as we were going out to commercial break it froze up so i'm hoping when i go to pull this audio into my editor that it isn't corrupted like yesterday because I don't feel like spending all night until 2 o'clock in the morning fixing this stuff. So hopefully that won't happen, nor do I feel like dropping you know, $5,000 on another computer system at this moment. 
All right, let's continue with this article. It says, how does it work? There are many ways to edit genes, but the breakthrough behind the greatest achievements in recent years is a molecular tool called CRISPR-Cas9. And I'm going to show you a quick video on this momentarily. It uses a guide molecule, the CRISPR bit, to find a specific region in an organism's genetic code, a mutated gene, for example, which is then cut by an enzyme, uh, which is a Cas9. When the cell tries to fix the damage, it often makes a hash of it and effectively disables the gene. This in itself is useful for turning off harmful genes, but other kinds of repairs are possible. For example, to mend a faulty gene, scientists can cut the mutated DNA and replace it with a healthy strand that is injected alongside the CRISPR-Cas9 molecules. Different enzymes can be used instead of Cas9, such as CPF1, which may help edit DNA more effectively. Now, they're telling you it's to repair they're telling you it's to replace bad parts of the code, right? Where it says it can mend a faulty gene, scientists can cut the mutated DNA, replace it with a healthy strand. Well, if they can do that, folks, they can do anything. Do you not understand that? So they sell it to you as something good, and then they use you or your child or whatever as a guinea pig because they need real-world trials before they use this for whatever the real purpose is. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're testing this out on us. Uh, Maybe the jab did, in fact, have nanobots. Maybe the mRNA is rewriting code, as some people uh, have theorized. But maybe they're using us as the guinea pigs before they're going to utilize it on themselves. Like, for instance... Let's just put this in context quickly. Ray Kurzweil, one of the godfathers of the modern transhumanist movement, the popularizer of singularity when artificial intelligence becomes more intelligent than humans and then humans are forced to merge with machine, the merger of man and machine, he wants to live another 10 years, so he's injecting himself with vitamins and taking over 200 vitamins a day to elongate his life to the point in which they can inject these nanobots in his body to cure his cells. So maybe they're utilizing this type of technology on us. We are the guinea pigs to perfect it for people like Kurzweil and the others who are going to get access to the ability to repair their cells, maybe to cut out bad parts of their DNA so that they can live forever to the point in which they're going to upload their minds to the silicone based neocortex stored in the cloud as Kurzweil, Elon Musk, and others believe, and then beam it down into what? This is where I want to get to this, folks. Into what? Either a biological body or a non-biological suit, like an Iron Man suit. But what would be the biological body? As if I explained, I've explained to you in past episodes that let's say they had babies, that they could beam their thoughts back into the brain imprinted onto the baby's brain and then it's basically like they're being reborn reincarnated well that sounded kind of crazy back when i talked about it 10 episodes ago but it's not crazy when you think about the synthetic wombs so now combine the synthetic wombs with building these new babies that won't necessarily be owned by a mom or dad right 
So now combine the cynic uh, synthetic wombs with the idea of the designer babies with the idea of the CRISPR-Cas9. So now let's say they're going to grow a baby inside of a chamber inside the synthetic womb, inside the artificial uterus that has all been tweaked up. And so they know what the baby's going to look like when it's full grown because they tweaked all the genes using eugenics and they created a superhuman that then on top of it, they can use CRISPR to modify the DNA to make sure the baby is smarter. Maybe it's going to have a larger brain. It could store more information and such. So they're manipulating it and creating a hybrid like uh, some kind of a superhuman that then they can download their brain into using a Neuralink type brain chip implanted into the baby's head. And that is how these guys can be reborn inside of a new biological body. I mean, when you look at all the technology and you see what they're building and you know that it's not because they love you and they know it's not, you know, it's not to save 1 million premature babies that die every year. And you know they don't really care about you or your wife having a baby born with irritable bowel disease. Then you have to start to ask yourself, why are they really doing it? What is the real purpose? And then when you look at the web of investors, the controllers, the oligarchs behind the companies like Peter Thiel and Elon Musk and others who talk about really crazy stuff publicly and aren't afraid of it, they aren't afraid of being shamed for it. They help popularize it, normalize it, and humanize it with the help of people like Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan experience. And so you say, well, what are they doing? If they really want to do the crazy stuff that Ray Kurzweil talks about, um, if they really want to do the things that Yuval Noah Harari talks about, then they have to build the technologies to do it. And I think this is the way they're doing it. They're doing it right out in the open. So they can edit the DNA to create a perfect human. They could grow that human inside of a chamber and then they can download their mind inside of that baby. It all makes perfect sense to me. It does sound like some kind of science fiction, but we are living in science fiction. All this is actually happening, ladies and gentlemen, right before our very eyes. All right, I'm going to show you this video on CRISPR. Cast nine, just so you have an understanding of what it is, because we will have to talk about this stuff when we review Joe Biden's executive order. In a document, if we suspect we've misspelled a word, we can use the find function to highlight the error and correct it or delete it. Within our DNA, that function is taken on by a system called CRISPR Cas9. CRISPR is short for clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats. Okay, let's just repeat that. So CRISPR, in case you haven't heard of it, it's C-R-I-S-P-R. C-R-I-S-P-R. Clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats. CRISPR consists of two components, the Cas9 protein that can cut DNA Okay, so you have the Cas9 protein, as we talked about in the article, and that can cut the DNA. And a guide RNA that can recognize the sequence of DNA to be edited. Okay, so the guide RNA helps recognize the sequence of the DNA to be edited. To use CRISPR-Cas9, scientists first identify the sequence of the human genome that's causing a health problem. 
Then, they create a specific guide RNA to recognize that particular stretch of A's, T's, G's, and C's in the DNA. The guide RNA is attached to the DNA-cutting enzyme Cas9, and then this complex is introduced to the target cells. It locates the target letter sequence and cuts the DNA. At that point, scientists can then edit the existing genome by either modifying, deleting, or inserting new sequences. It effectively makes CRISPR-Cas9 a cut-and-paste tool for DNA editing. You see this? So they can actually edit a human being. I hope you're absorbing this because there is going to be a test after. All right, children, there will be a test on this after uh, after we are done. You're not allowed to go to recess until you pass this test. Now, folks, I know this is heavy stuff, but I think it's important just for you to understand at least the basics of it. In the future, scientists hope to use CRISPR-Cas9 to develop critical advances in patient care or even cure lifelong inherited diseases. Oh, yeah, because of your dirty, horrible parents that passed on these inherited diseases to you. All right, listen, I'm back on the article at theguardian.com, and I recommend you guys look this article up if you want to see this chart. Um, I will try to pop it out on social media, but again, this is theguardian.com, and the article was, What is Gene Editing and How Can It Be Used to Rewrite the Code of Life? And so down here, they have a really good illustration. And I'm just going to walk you through this quickly. It's an uh, illustrated example of CRISPR in action. And so it says, number one, patient with genetic disorder. More than 10,000 human diseases are caused by faults in single genes. While each condition is relatively rare, they affect millions of people around the globe. So then they've got this needle injecting it into the, the, the cartoon's arm. And so inside the syringe they have these little plates and then the plate is a particle and inside the particle there's a guide molecule the enzyme and the healthy dna okay it says number two millions of particles injected into patients bloodstream are affected tissues the particles can be harmless viruses or nanoparticles that carry the gene editing editing molecules now some people believe there were nanoparticles inside of the uh, jabs, which um, they were, but I don't get into the jabs and COVID in depth on this show. I let Mike Moore handle that at the Thomas Paine podcast. Uh, I don't know. Maybe one day we'll do a show together on it. Number three, each particle holds a guide molecule that finds the DNA to be changed, a powerful enzyme that cuts the target DNA healthy dna to mend the mutated gene okay so inside the particle there's those three things a guide molecule that finds the dna to be changed that was uh the, the rna guide a powerful enzyme that cuts the target dna that's basically like the cas9 and then a healthy dna to mend the mutated gene so they're putting something back in you they're editing your dna that's why many people like myself call it dna modifying and then they said you're a conspiracy theorist well no it says it right here i mean i'm only going off of the scientific documents number four the particles carrying the gene editing molecules get into the affected cells and enter the nuclei where the dna lies okay so then it's got this diagram of the particle going into the nucleus and so the gene editing process all right so now it's going to show 
in this diagram what happens. So mutated gene. Inside the cell nucleus, the guide molecule moves along the patient's DNA until it finds a match. The guide is designed to stick to the targeted region of the genetic code, such as mutated gene, and it is here that the edit will take place. And so then they show the guide uh, molecule there. And then it says, once the guide molecule finds its target, the attached enzyme swings into action and snips the DNA in half. That's the Cas9. The cell detects the damage and sets about trying to mend it. Okay? So now it's going to try to mend it. And then you have the healthy gene, or what they call the healthy gene. The cell repairs the breakage by inserting healthy DNA that is injected alongside the gene editing molecules. Now, do you trust them? Do you trust these people? Do you trust Peter Thiel? Do you trust Bill Gates? Do you trust Elon Musk? Do you trust Jeff Bezos? Do you trust Mark Zuckerberg? Do you trust Jack Dorsey? Do you trust any of the Thiel fellows out there? Do you trust Sergey Brin? Do you trust Eric Schmidt? If you don't trust these people, then do not let them edit your DNA, for God's sake. Why would anyone allow this to happen to them or their children? Ladies and gentlemen, these people are trying to play God. Well, they are playing God. They will never be God. That's why they are hackers. They are pirates. They are hijackers doing nothing more than hacking us humans. They call us hackable animals. And that is exactly what they're doing. And I saw someone yesterday on Twitter sent me a tweet from someone else saying that we humans are way more powerful than we believe we are and that our brains have all these different you know receptors in them and such and so we're so much more powerful we could never be hackable animals it's nice to believe that it really is nice to believe that but if you look at the technologies they have if you look at what they've already done to billions of people around the earth utilizing psychological warfare, propaganda, mind control. Uh, Look at all of the technologies they have coming out of biotech, stuff like CRISPR-Cas9, stuff like the synthetic wombs, designer babies, gene editing, gene modification, mRNA. They are hacking us every single day. They manipulate the food, they manipulate the water, they manipulate the soil, they manipulate the air, and they admit to all of this. They don't even hide it. Yet, the majority of humans, probably 99.9%, have no idea that this is going on. They will automatically call you a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist if you even mention this at a dinner table they will look at you like you're crazy when you tell them you go out of your way to buy clean foods at farmers markets and directly from farms they will think you're nuts if you tell them you're doing a natural home birth something that existed before hospitals were around it was what every woman did they will tell you you're crazy if you choose to opt out of an ultrasound they will tell you you're nuts if you refuse to take a jab so i say to you folks out there that we are already hacked not Not me and you, not the people in this audience, not the ones who are aware of the matrix, who went beyond the red pill and who are taking the gold pill. No, we are awake. But there are a majority of humans out there that have already been hacked, and they are hacked every single day. So the person who sent me the tweet, I appreciate you reaching out to me, but look at the big picture. Look all around you. Look at the people who still walk around with masks. Look at the ones who just took it off last week, and tell me that those people are not hackable animals. Of course they are. 
Yuval Noah Harari and these other psychopaths brag about it because they know they can get away with it. Because in the old world, when people were not hacked, someone like that would get slapped upside the head and told, grow up, pal. You're not going to call me a hackable animal. That guy would have been beaten down in a playground. He would have been kicked in the ass in the middle of a parking lot. But no, now they say it right out in the open. Now they go on places like Joe Rogan Experience and they talk to millions of people. And they laugh in your face as they develop these Frankenstein technologies. They spit in your face when they tell you they're going to drill a hole in your head and put a brain chip inside you. And if you don't accept it, you'll go extinct. They laugh in your face when they put these clowns, these puppets, these spokesmen, these PR salesmen out on the late night TV shows. They laugh in your face when they plug it into cartoons and TV shows and movies for your children to watch so that they are programmed into accepting the future prison planet, the Frankenstein laboratory that surrounds us. Oh no, folks, we are hackable animals. If we don't wake up and just say no to this technology, if we don't figure out how to work around it, then we are no better than the rest of them. I want you to think about this, folks. I know this was a complicated show. I know this is like going back to biology and chemistry. But if you want to understand the tenets of the fourth industrial era, if you want to understand what is here and what's coming, and you want to understand how Klaus Schwab and his minions are fusing the physical, biological, and digital worlds, then unfortunately, this is the type of content that we are going to have to get into. This is the type of technology we are going to have to understand. Because unless you understand your enemies, how will you ever defeat them? And maybe we'll just be able to avoid them. But you can't even do that until you understand the war that they have waged against humanity. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, stand up for humanity. Just say no to the technocracy and call out the transhumanists wherever they stand. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold.